Hey, yo, yo, yo! Welcome to Ringer FC World Cup Edition Match Day 7. This is Donnie Kwok with the Ringer.com. As always, I'm joined by Ryan O'Fancy Stats Handlin. What's what up, up, Ryan? And finally, back to match fitness. Micah Peters. Yeah. Can he last 90 minutes? <laughs> Can he last 90 in minutes? In Volgograd, I'm Millie Rock. <laughs> Keep an eye on him. <laughs> Keep an eye on him, Ryan. Thank God for the last 45 minutes of that Iran-Spain match because otherwise, I'd say it was the first nothing day of the tournament. As in, we had three one nils, three favorites squeaking by, three valiant underdogs who couldn't finish, and mostly dull matches. A lot of negative football, but at least we got to see Gerard Piquet get nutmegged. <laughs> is that a beautiful moment or what? I mean, like, it was honestly almost, like, the highlight of... It was almost the highlight of the World Cup so far. We, we had the we, header we, gone into the We could have ended the World Cup right there. But, oh yeah, of course, the header went awry. Earlier today, of course, we had the goat getting goatier. Your boy, Bitey McRacist, hitting a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> three, three teams are officially done. We'll get into that. And uh, we're also looking forward to later, maybe the best day of matchups at the tournament. But first... Let's talk about Spain and Iran. Spain just won 1-0. There was an overturned equalizer uh, via VAR, which I didn't really look at the replay that closely, but it was way offsides, right? The Iran goal? Yeah, it was yeah. a good a good two full strides offside. Or so. I mean, all the same, even though the referee did his job correctly and VAR worked as it was supposed to, that felt terrible. Like, yeah, it I, did. It did. I mean, it, the match basically played out how you might have expected Spain dominated the ball. They had five shots on target. Iran had zero shots. Um, Ryan, what did you make of the match? Um, I think it played out pretty much exactly as how I expected. Um, Iran barely tried to attack, I think, in the first half and then attacked a little bit in the second half when they realized that they had to. And Spain just dominated the ball. And 19% possession for, yeah, for in the first Iran half. in the first half. Yeah. Um, Is that right? 19. Yeah. 69, yes. I, I guess, overall. Nice. 69 yeah. for Spain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, only 19 in the first. I mean, that's why I was saying the second half kind of saved it from being the really, really dull day because it did pick up, Micah, right? I mean, Iran yeah, I mean, started like to attack. I, I don't think that we can really, you know, just decry Iran for, for feeling out Spain for, I mean, like in the first half. I mean... Although they were kind of playing this weird sort of six four zero formation, <laughs> uh, this was the same guy that managed uh, United Manchester United between the years of two thousand two and two thousand eight. Carlos Cruz, uh, of course. Yeah, during which they had that one really infamous infographic where they had eight eight defenders and two <laughs> strikers. And John O'Shea was on Definitely the field think, twice. Yeah, somehow. he was whispering into Sir Alex's ear about that. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it was going to be it. They didn't sub on, like you were saying, off-air, Ryan. They didn't sub on their best player until the 75th minute or so. Yeah, Iran has uh, Ali Reza Jahan Bakash, who was the oh, leading— nice pronunciation. Thank well you. Um, I've been pra I didn't say it on the last podcast because I knew I would get it wrong. Um, <laughs> he won the Golden Boot in the Dutch League, <laughs> and Iran needed a guy to— provide some attacking oomph, but he didn't play until the last 15 minutes. I mean, I think... To be fair, he played most of the match against Morocco and he didn't do anything, so... Mm, that's true. Um, I, I would like my manager to not overreact over one game, but that's just me. <laughs> um, I think I think there's a way to look at this and be like, Spain was kind of... They didn't really create any incredible chances, but, like, they had that this one really nice corner play where they played it deep into Iniesta, who, like 
got the ball at the six-yard box on a pass on the ground. He laid it off to Sergio Ramos. And then there's just like eight Iranian players on the ground, like diving in the air. Someone <laughs> at our office compared it to like a hockey um, goal mouse scramble. So well, second day in a row, we've had a, a hockey comparison. It looked like crap, 90 fo- crap 90s football. Yes, yeah. it I was mean, very it was... much a guy sat on the ball at one point. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think... But Iranian, like we have, we got to talk about the Iranian goalkeeper uh, Ali Baranvan, I think uh, is how you pronounce it. I please don't kill me over the pronunciation. <laughs> but they, he was, it was just kind of like refusing to die, kind of like yeah. it, it was. He had this one really good double save against, uh, I think it was David Silva. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, just yeah, he was sitting on the ball in the goal mouth. <laughs> he also got hurt like seven separate times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In, in air quotes. Yeah, exactly. Um, we should give a word here for Diego Costa in the Golden Boot race. He got his third of the tournament. It was yeah, kind of a one that he didn't a, really know a whole lot about. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was, I guess the fifty-fifth minute or so. It was a really nice turn, but it was a deflected goal. But again, um, you know, people were talking about Spain coming into the tournament, questioning having Costa as I guess their only striker, and he's he's delivering. Yeah, I, the thing I the way I would look at it is like he's bailed them out basically in two games where they've had just insanely dominant possession, but the sort of, you know, death by 1 million passes hasn't really broken the defense down yet. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder, you know, he was pretty, despite Spain dominating possession to an insane degree, he was a pretty kind of marginal figure, I thought. Um, So I do wonder if they had another kind of false nine type player in there who is more involved in build-up play if if that would then lead to better attacking opportunities or if it's just it's good that you have Diego Costa to kind of give you a different element and yeah he does seem kind of like weirdly isolated up there yeah right well earlier uh in group b one of the other one nil matches of today was Portugal over Morocco Portugal to me is Man, that was a shitty match to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why was the match so shitty to watch? Because uh, they scored in the first four minutes and then nothing happened after that. <laughs> I mean, Ryan was telling me earlier that Portugal is basically Greece plus Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo, which, I mean, of course, Fernando Santos used to manage Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically what they are. I mean, with the, the Spain match, of course, provided a lot of drama and a lot of goals. But this is really how Portugal plays in tournaments, the, the match today. Yeah, they Which don't have is, to open up unless they have to open up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It, it's neg- It's very negative for a team that is the reigning European champion and has a lot more talent than Morocco. Well, well maybe even not a lot more talent, but can at least attack. Yeah, at, at the highest, the top level, they have more talent. It, it's it's interesting because obviously that strategy got them a Euro championship. Yeah, <laughs> right. But it's like, I think you play this strategy and it gives you a chance against any team, right? But you would think you'd want to see Portugal kind of just sort of handle Morocco pretty dominantly, and they didn't really. They got a goal off a corner and then kind of bunkered in. They, I mean, they definitely limited Morocco to... Morocco had 15 shots, four on target. None of them were incredibly good chances, but the way I look at it is like, you have Ronaldo, so you should just always have a chance in every game, no matter what. Do you yeah. have to actually play sort of so conservatively? So it, it concerns me that, the, you know, you'd expect them to beat a team like Spain or a team like Germany playing this way, but I don't know if if, if it has to happen against Morocco. I don't know how. Two shots on target. One yeah. of them went in. The other one was the Guedes miss. 
Guedes and, is never going to score. And you, and, and you, <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the Euro 16 final. Eight of the 11 that started today started in that final. So I think you see that with teams that have international success. They, they rely, I guess, on the same guys uh, in the next tournament a lot of the times and, and are more reluctant to bleed in new new players. Yeah, and that, I think historically that probably ends spectacularly badly for teams <laughs> like with Spain in 2014 with Germany before they sort of revamped their system between 2002 2006 um, we, were, we were talking about this too that everyone always is kind of harping on Sané not being there for Germany but what about Ruben Neves for Portugal I mean the dude was killing he basically brought Wolves up uh, he's 21 years old and he's mm-hmm. a midfielder and it feels like the Portugal midfield right now is William Carvalho and, and, and Moutinho Oh my God! It's so bad to watch them fucking <laughs> sideways pass it. Yeah, we just one incisive pass. Micah, can Port? I mean, this Portugal has to play better, right? Well, I mean, not. I mean, if as long as they keep winning in the group stage, like it's. I think it's less of a rare thing for like ostensibly good teams to have to employ really conservative tactics during the group stage, right? So, I mean, as long as they advance, they can do whatever they want. Right. And in two weeks, we're probably going to be talking about them in the semifinal, right? Because it's like the whole point of the group stage is basically to get to the knockout round. And they look like they're going to do that. So, yeah. And like the ends justify the means, I guess. Yeah. And I, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, them playing this way against a team that is better than them makes sense. And that's, that's going to happen, you would think, once they get to the knockout stages. Yeah. Um, if Portugal plays Uruguay, it could be the most boring game in the history of <laughs> international <laughs> soccer. Um, but Ronaldo. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, what, yeah. What the answer is. So yeah. We should mention that uh, with his 85th international goal today, uh, Ronaldo became the highest scoring European player in international football history. Beat that, Messi. <laughs> <laughs> Break the European yeah. record. <laughs> also, you know, this group is still, the, the spots are still up for grabs. So, I mean, Micah, if There's Iran beats Portugal, if yeah. Iran goes, it beats Portugal, they're through. Can they beat Portugal? Um, I, the, Honestly, like... <sighs> they're going to have to attack a little bit. They're going to have to... Over, under shots on target in that game. <laughs> <laughs> over, Four? under... Yeah. Five, <laughs> maybe, yeah, total. Um, I mean, like, I, I definitely think it's possible for this Iran team to beat Portugal. and right. But everything seems possible on the final match day for this group, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it's good that at least, you know, it's still up in the air and uh, both games have some significance. You mentioned Uruguay. They played as well today. They beat Saudi Arabia 1-0. So Saudi Arabia kind of saved face after losing 5-0. Again, it was kind of a nothing match. Suarez scored. uh, The aforementioned Bidey McRacist. It was his 100th cap. So salute to you, Luis. Um, What did you guys think of that? Of Uruguay. I think that Saudi... I want to know what Saudi Arabia does in practice when they're supposed to be working on finishing or defending. But, I mean, like, in between the boxes, the possession that they kept was really, I don't know, nice. <laughs> yeah, maybe Russia's actually good. I mean, I mean it, it's... it's, it's <laughs> we're going to... This is what's going to happen. They're going to win the World Cup, and we're still going to be like, is Russia good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, there'll be or there'll be some scandal like they poison the opponent's food or something. Yeah, I am, one of those two things will happen. The the thing I liked about this game and liked in air quotes is that at least I was kind of t- expecting Uruguay to be a little more fun than they have been in the past coming into this, and this yeah. was just 
classic Uruguay. They've won both games one nothing, and both their goals came on set pieces. And yeah, it, they today were, it was like a howler. The yeah. keeper made like yeah. a suicidal attempt at a punch. Yeah, he he was like five players too early from where he jumped. <laughs> yeah. Like then four more yeah. guys behind him also couldn't get to the ball. But I, I mean, it's just like Uruguay is playing a team that just lost five nothing to Russia, and they're treating them like they're the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you mentioned a possible Uruguay-Portugal round of 16 match because Uruguay is now playing Russia uh, on next Monday. And I guess that's basically for the top seed. If they draw Russia's goal differential, we'll put them up top. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think they're going to go for it? or I think you could see Define go where, for it. where one team takes a kickoff and then they both just stare at the ball for 90 minutes and no one touches it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely he who has the ball has the fear in that game. Yeah, it's kind of a disappointing day. I mean, you know, I, I think up until this day, we've had mostly good matches. We've still had no nil-nils, which is good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but compared to every day leading up to today, it was kind of a dull day. Uh, wouldn't you guys agree? We at least had an aborted flip throw. That's Yeah, that was a highlight. Oh, yeah. Be just that like, was... check that off on your bingo box. <laughs> so basically, he tried, uh, the Iranian player, you're, you're mentioning in the, late in the second half, an Iranian player tried to do a flip throw. It failed. I mean, the ref was basically like... Was that Mohammadi or was that Mehdi? I don't. I, don't I can't remember. It. Yeah, it's. I can't remember, but it was. He did try. Yeah, he tried the flip throw, stopped as soon as he got to the touchline, and then did a short throw in. Yeah, I haven't seen someone try a flip throw since like 1999, and then I've literally never seen someone just abort at the end of a flip throw, and then just he threw it in like three yards to a guy next to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, we should mention now, uh, pour out some liquor for Saudi Arabia, Morocco, and Egypt. They're all done. And Morocco is probably the hardest done because they played decently well again today. Uh, they haven't scored yet. And the two goals they've conceded, basically, one's an own goal, one's a Ronaldo defensive lapse, and they're done. There's a, uh, we need to go back and look at the numbers, but I bet there's a case that for Morocco to, to ultimately be the best team to not get a point at a World <laughs> Cup yeah. after if they lose to Spain in the next match. Yeah. Uh, so that wraps up today. A little bit of a disappointing day, but there's always tomorrow. Uh, before we preview tomorrow, some England news. Gareth Southgate dislocated his shoulder somehow. <laughs> While was, running. That, that was breaking news <laughs> on my Sky quote. Sports feed. Yeah. It's because his vest was too tight. Yeah, just his waistcoat. The, I, seriously, though, I had, like, I mean... I'm trying to think about the scenarios in which you could dislocate your shoulder while running. Well, apparently he tripped. And tried and to catch himself. Tried to catch himself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it went horribly wrong. But more in more serious, I guess that's a serious injury. I shouldn't make light of it. But as far as players go, I, I'm hearing that Deli Ali, I say I'm hearing like someone's in my ear telling me that. But Deli, <laughs> yeah. his, 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 he's got two fingers on his earpiece. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Deli Ali? Thigh like, strain? Appara- yeah, apparently yeah. he has a thigh strain. He could be out. No, we should do this like Fox. Uh, tune in in three hours, but keep listening, and we'll tell you this incredible Deli Ali news. And then it's just going to be that he uh, is 80% for one day. <laughs> but anyway, word is seriously that he has a thigh strain. And, and could be out, and it could be time for a little Loftus cheek in the starting eleven. I'd like to see that big Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Loftus cheek in the starting eleven alongside. I, is he a better pairing for Jesse Lingard? Yeah, I think Loftus cheek is 
the guy that you have to put in. I, I think what we saw against Tunisia is that Southgate um, kind of really stuck with the system that they were playing and just, you know, brought in uh, Rashford as like a second striker for Sterling, which is what Sterling plays, and then brought in Loftus-Cheek um, to replace one of the midfielders. So I, I, it's almost like I don't even know who else I would put in to kind of do the same kind of they call it like a free eight, half attacker, half midfielder, and also be able to press as well as Deli Ali does. Right, 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 right. Well, you know who definitely is not playing? Union Jack Wilshire. Poor one out for Union Jack as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Big England news. <laughs> he's, he's, le- he's leaving the Arsenal. Uh, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, Arsenal fans. Anyway, we'll be back in a second. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, West Ham fans. <laughs> sorry, West Ham fans. Bournemouth fans. <laughs> sorry, Crystal Palace fans. Uh, we'll be back in a second to preview, preview match day eight. Hey, guys. This is Sean Fennessy, the editor-in-chief of The Ringer, and I want to tell you about a podcast I host called The Big Picture. Each week, I welcome a different filmmaker to talk about their latest movie and how it was made. I've talked to the directors of some of my favorite movies, including Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, Ryan Johnson, Barry Jenkins, and dozens more. You can find new episodes on the Channel 33 feed every Friday by going to theringer.com backslash podcasts or by subscribing to Channel 33 wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you'll check it out. We just got finished talking about a bunch of boring games, but tomorrow, match day eight, great lineup of matches. Denmark and Australia, France and Peru, Argentina, Croatia, Michael, which one are you looking forward to the most? I'm looking forward to France versus Peru the most. And not just because of Paul Pogba, okay? <laughs> um, although that is like a huge factor. I, I don't know if anybody's looked at his Instagram recently. He got a very nice haircut and there is no yellow, red, or blue or anything in it, uh, which means one thing, which is that he's in he's now in Wonder Goals only mode, which <laughs> I... I, I that's the most exciting. But also, Peru was amazing in their first match and was very... Un- it would be great that they, if they could have got, like, one fucking shot on target. <laughs> um, it's They have so far been a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing, but I think that this game is probably going to be the best game on the slate. Right. Ryan, you mentioned to me that Deschamps, Didier Deschamps, the French manager, is at least thinking about experimenting with a new lineup for tomorrow. Yeah, he against Australia, he played the theoretically really fun lineup um, that I wanted him to play. And now the L'Equipe is reporting that uh, Blaise Matuidi, who is a sort of workman-like defensive midfielder, will be playing as a left winger against Peru. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, so the, the Oklahoma City Thunder comparisons continue to just bear fruit. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about France. I know they won... They only had 12 shots against Australia, which is just for a f- dominant favorite, you would just want sort of just more, more. general yeah. general attacking creation. Um, and then now they're playing, you know, what it seems to and they seem to be heading toward playing a more defensive lineup. Um, and Peru was, I say Peru was probably the most hard-done loser of the first round. I mean, obviously... Morocco losing on a own goal when they didn't give up a shot in the second half to Iran is pretty tough, but Peru created a ton of chances against Denmark, yeah. gave up like two counterattacks basically. So, and you would imagine that Paulo Guerrero, cocaina man, is going to play more than he's probably going to start, right? Yeah, he only played thirty minutes in the last game. I mean, and and looked good. Yeah, when he came on. Great. So yeah, um, 
So yeah, the Peru manager, Ricardo Gareca, said, we will not let France push us around. And uh, I'm actually, this is the match I'm looking forward to the most as well. Because I, I agree with you guys that Peru was kind of hard done by. And uh, hopefully France can play a more entertaining match than they did against Australia, who's playing Denmark, the other match in the group. You I guys going to wake up for that one? I, I'll be <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of a running theme with a lot of teams here. Australia is like a decently solid team with no finishing whatsoever. Uh, you'd expect Denmark to win this, right? I would think so. It's going to be a... It'll be interesting, I guess, because it's going to be a total opposite sort of dynamic from what they faced against Peru, where Australia kind of just wants to defend um, out of the Burt Van Marwijk playbook. <laughs> um, so now they're probably going to have a lot of the ball and not be able to counter. I I was a little disappointed with Erickson against Peru. I mean, I know he I'm, had the assists, but he didn't really do anything else. So I think this could be the game where he's just... I think this is the game where he's going to just start looking up from like 40 <laughs> yards and in. Letting, letting yes. rip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could also be 0-0, zero, zero, and I would not be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if this was our first 0-0. Zero, zero. Oh, I've, I've been perusing some of the Aussie football blogs. They exist. And uh, I, I hear they want this guy, Daniel Arzani, who's only 19. He, he came on against France in like the last six or seven minutes, but he's apparently Australia's kind of hottest prospect, and he's a forward. They want him to start. Australian Messi. <laughs> Australia messy. <laughs> it seems like every team has like a 19 or 20 year old forward that isn't being utilized. And uh, for a team like Australia, what do they have to lose? Just put them in. Of course, we're going to see Tim Cahill. I'm yeah. sure instead. Entertain but. us at least. <laughs> yeah. Let them let them play together. <laughs> Get that uh, median age <laughs> right around 30. <laughs> and then the other match, Argentina Croatia. That might be the match of the day, actually. For a lot of people because uh, Argentina, of course, drew in their first match. Uh, Croatia beat Nigeria. So Argentina really needs a win here. Uh, Ryan, do you imagine them coming out differently than they did uh, against Iceland? I think they will. Um, just because I feel like, you know, they made a sub on, what, 55 minutes, which is actually a really weird... A very like, strange just make time. the sub at halftime. Yeah. Um, putting on Ever Benega, who's a, just a really good passing, dribbling center midfielder for Lucas Biglia, who's essentially turned into stone um, they, like four years ago. Let's, <laughs> let's not try to convince ourselves that, that Argentina's midfield is that, as is as good as they have been in recent years. No, well, like, when you have the same players and they're like both <laughs> 35. Imagine yeah. Argentina with Croatia's midfield. Oh, wow. Man. They'd win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, though, that I actually weirdly think that this will just be an easier game for Argentina um, just because they're not going to face 5,000 players behind the ball and each mm -hmm. of which are six foot four, 195 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th there should just be more space and I don't, I mean, I guess I'm also interested to see Croatia because they weren't really they weren't impressive spectacular. against yeah. Nigeria. I mean, they didn't really give up much to Nigeria, but again, they needed a penalty and an own goal um, to beat them. And I think it's kind of been a running theme of Croatia's the team that, like, you look at all of the midfielders they have, and it's like, this team should be really fun. And then you just watch them, and it's like a bunch of crosses to Mario Mandzukic. I mean, like, I think that you were talking to... Who are you trying to explain this to? I, it was somebody that on staff that does not watch that much soccer. You're just trying to be like, who is Croatia? Like, what is their club team comp? And you're just like, Southampton. They yeah. should be good and aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, what do you think the over-under 
is for Dybala minutes in this World Cup? 35. That's <laughs> so depressing. I know. It's just kind of like use Angel Di Maria is a shell is a shell of his former self. Like just let Dybala do Dybala shit. I agree. I mean, Ryan, like, you, it's, yeah, it's that simple. Ryan told me earlier that he thinks Argentina has seemed to get, grow more reliant on Messi the older he's gotten. It does seem that way, right? Yeah, like, I mean, it does. He, he is now asked to be a defensive midfielder who moves the ball up the field in addition to a number 10 and in addition to the guy that creates chances in addition to the guy who scores. And he's just, like, older now, you know? Like, I mean, be that reliant on him when he was 25. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's the same thing is happening at the club level. Well, it's true. to a lesser degree, but like the same thing is happening at the club level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at the club level, Messi basically led La Liga in shots, goals, assists, chances created, dribbles, dribbles attempted. So basically every counting stat. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I mean, it got them a La Liga title, but it's just, you know, we, we talked about this, um, a bunch already. It's just get the guy some help. You need like, some help. You need some milk. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking a little bit about the trend here. Uh, maybe it's not a trend, but there's so many one man teams, quote unquote, in this world cup. I'm curious. I'm going to ask you guys, like, what do you think gives you better odds to win? Having one elite player surrounded by a bunch of average guys or just a bunch of decent guys with no finisher or no world-class player. Greece won the Euro 2004 championship. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is why That's actually <laughs> Greece plus Cristiano Ronaldo might actually win this tournament. Yeah, yeah. well, we saw, I mean, we saw Portugal still win after Ronaldo got injured. Um, yeah. It does seem like, I mean, I guess it really depends on how good the supporting cast is because Salah, to me, didn't really do much yesterday. Again, again, it's one game, but it's still, it, it was the peril of having one guy um, right. beat your whole attack. I thought the same thing was true with Lewandowski uh, against Senegal. He didn't look dangerous at all. Right. Um, I think you, unfortunately, had to experience this with uh, Sonny. Yeah. Um, I guess Harry Kane and Ronaldo are the only one-man teams <laughs> that work. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, mean, I, I guess it's a how world-class is your world-class player. Cause... Yeah, exactly. Like with Messi, it's like, at least he is sort of doing 50 things at once, yeah. you know? So, yeah. like, I guess I can see it. Um, but I think overall, I think just having a more balanced team makes more sense. Yeah. Well, that wraps up Match Day 7, Ringer FC World Cup Edition. Thank you, Ryan. Flip throws are bad for your health. <laughs> Thank you, Micah. Flip throws are great. Try more <laughs> of them. <laughs> <laughs> PK got nutmegged. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Peace.